He put food products containing milk, meat and cheese on the heating unit and turned it for three hours to see what would happen. I could have told him what would happen if he had asked me. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording and pay respects to the elders past and present of the Yuggera and Turrbal people. Sovereignty was never ceded. And this is Online Mole Patrol, ready for a stroll down internet memory lane. My name is Hacklock. I am a chronically online older millennial. Don't you usually say more? No. Oh, all right. <laughs> well, oh, I, say, I also say I'm a visual artist. I'm Hacklock. I'm a visual artist and chronically online older millennial. And I'm Brinal Butts. And your parents said you couldn't hang out with me when we're in high school because I'm a bad influence. But look at me now. I'm a motherfucking lawyer. <laughs> You're still a bad influence, though. What? <laughs> uh, so, I'm doing the main story today. Yeah. And then you're doing Backup Battle. Yeah. Uh, do I get to find out what it's about? Um... Yeah, you know, I told you when we went out to dinner, it's Romances of the Simpsons. Yes, yes. that's right. Okay. Uh, totally arbitrarily decided by me, not comprehensive, just what I want in there. Okay, so just yeah. deciding the best of yeah. what you've got. Best of what I chose. Okay. Yes. And then we're going to do hyperlocal news. Yeah, because that's what we do now. Pretty much. Well, I mean, I fucking love it, so. Uh, I'll occasionally do the meme ones again. But I think we're done with the poems. That was a long time ago we lasted a poem. Yeah. It wasn't great. No. No. <laughs> Hyperlocal news is more fun. It is way more fun. And topical. It gives people the news that they need six to eight to nine weeks after <laughs> we saw it. In a place they probably don't live. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Bleeding edge. <laughs> Today, I'm going to tell you a story from the Something Awful forums. Okay. And like uh, anything on the internet, don't know if it's true. Hey, before we do that, yeah. should we... Just say that, like, recap on Last Bracket Battle, where oh, yeah, okay, best gender reveal was gender reveal lasagna. Mm-hmm. So you and I went to Prova for yes. dinner tonight to have 100-layer lasagna. We did, and we each had a serving of the 100-layer yeah. lasagna. I'm Brinal Butts, Brisbane's laziest and worst pescatarian. <laughs> it was delicious, by the way. Yeah, great. The pasta was so soft. Oh, oh my god, it was very good. Um, what you you haven't revealed your gender yet? No. This. Hey, we've got my leftovers upstairs. True. We could grab them and eat a spoonful and then reveal our genders. Yeah. Since the color is not hidden within our lasagna. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to do that? Do you want to do it now? Yeah. All right. I'm gonna pause the recording. Okay. Okay, so I have here... The gender reveal lasagna. The gender reveal lasagna! <laughs> and I have a splayed, yep. which is not a spork, 
Yeah. It's a splayed. Yeah, we know. We've talked about this. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go first. Okay. Since I have it in my hand. Yeah. I am a woman. Cool. She, she her pronouns, please. Yeah, sweet. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yum. Um, I think gender's made up. Um, somebody that we know uh, years back posted saying that they're a gender femme. Mm. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That resonated? Yeah. Yeah, okay. But, like, I don't experience any dys- dysphoria. Yeah. Mm. Probably tend to be more interested in doing what I think of as the drag of femininity yeah. most of the time. Because, because I'm enculturated into femininity because um, culture and society rewards me for... Um, Performing femininity <laughs> closer to correctly. Sorry, uh, I, you, you're talking very seriously, and the cat is growling. So I'm just going to cover the food so he can't smell it anymore. Oh, poor thing. She, her, they, them pronouns. Fine. Probably not vibing on masculine. Okay. Pronouns. Do you have a preference between? I know preference is not the best way to describe it, but between she, her, or they, them, or it's just cool. No, it's it's just it's just all nothing. Okay. Yeah. All right. I have a present here. Hey, that's nice. Oh, bless. It's um, they, them, she, her um, pronoun stickers yeah. um, with a nice pastel rainbow behind. I've never really, I've never questioned my gender, which I think is a pretty clear sign that I am cis. Um, I definitely have, like, been shitty about uh, the reactions that I get to my gender presentation, mm. but I've never been like, I wish I was a boy, other than to afford the privileges of being a man in the society. I don't think I've ever wanted to be a man. Um, I think that I probably questioned my gender identity when I was quite young. Yeah. I think because I was doing such a poor job of performing normative femininity. Ah. Um, So what horrible shit from the internet... Are you telling me about that might be true or maybe not? <laughs> uh, okay, so this is a story from long ago on the Something Awful forums that uh, quite possibly couldn't be could be just made up an exercise in storytelling. You know, it's a forum. Who knows? Uh, I don't know if it's ever been corroborated in any way. I'm just going to read you the main posts yeah. because that seems the simplest way to do it. I did once upon a time, extract out all the major post information. And some sometimes it's a bit like uh, he tells a part of the story and then someone says, uh, I don't understand this, so he goes back and adds in. So it's a bit chippy-choppy. Okay. Because it's like a conversation. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> what? Chop-chop-chop-chop-chop-chop. <laughs> yes. It's a bit like the chop-chop. <laughs> um, <laughs> And the story is called... <laughs> Should we link to the Chop Chop oh, in the course, show notes Oh, of course, why not? Now? Okay, all right, all right. I don't know if you've heard about this this thing called Auntie Donna, <laughs> but they have this great video called The Chop Chop. I'm sure I'm getting it wrong. Is it called The Chip? No, it's called no, The it's, Chop Chop. Yeah, it's called The Chop Chop, but yep. then there's Chop 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 Chippy Chop Chop Chop. I'll put that in the show it's notes. If you haven't heard it, said. it's some yeah. older Auntie Donna content, which is fabulous. Um, so this story is called Fecal Lasagna. Mm-hmm. I think I have mentioned the title to you before and you haven't seemed to recognise it. No, I don't know about it. And um, I'm supposed the fact that I've heard you mention it before is the reason why I'm not going like, oh, my God, what? Fecal lasagna? <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a great phrase. <laughs> like, you have a picture in your mind, right? Immediately. <laughs> um, I have an idea of what I think 
is likely to be involved. <laughs> and this seemed very on topic considering our gender lasagna. A hundred layer. <laughs> okay. Gender lasagna. So, uh, this guy who posted the thread is called Martin Random. Uh, it was posted in 2003. Uh-huh. So this is some vintage shit. Starts out. There was recently a thread about awful roommates, along with pictures, and I have my own experience. Housing complex. The units are basically small cottages made for two roommates, with a common area and attached kitchen. A small storage closet in the common area containing water pipes leading to suite A's bathroom. The two private areas of the suite contained a private bedroom, a sliding glass patio door, and a private bathroom. Sounds idyllic. My roommate, Jed, liked to throw parties. He liked tarantulas too, and he kept six. For the sake of saving my effort in recounting this story, here is a basic rundown of the chaos. This run-through of incidents is going to be kind of terse because I'm working off a checklist I made a while ago. During our stay together, my roommate bought his motorcycle into our common room because he was afraid it would be stolen. <laughs> this was fine, but then he started it and let it idle for 15 minutes without opening any windows, causing all of our stuff to smell like motor exhaust. Um, I'd be afraid of dying. Yeah, that's bad shit. <laughs> uh, after his girlfriend left him, he went berserk in his private bathroom with a sledgehammer or a geologist's hammer and smashed all of his bathroom fixtures. I'm not sure of this, but I believe that was just before she left him and she fucked some guy with pubic lice in my bed during a party. Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, his toilet was inoperative at this point, so he used mine for a time until I refused him access. Later, I would find out that he shat in garbage bags and kept them in the common room closet for weeks. More on this later. He set fire to our carpet with alcohol during a party. He pissed in the fridge. He shat in the fridge. He shat in the crisper drawer. He shat on the oven top. And instead of cleaning it up, turned on the burner, reasoning that carbon would be easier to clean than, than feces. He left a dead cat he found somewhere in our oven for a week and forgot about it. I discovered it later. He owned six tarantulas and would let one run around free range. He assured me he had tamed it. I assured him he was a fuckhead. <laughs> he never showered. He sold drugs from his room. He smoked pot with his friends in the common area. He spilled bong water on two of my textbooks. He and his friends did cocaine off the television set in the common area. He had a party to which he invited too many people and they spilled into my room. Strangers had sex in my room at that party in my bed. One of them had pubic lice. Someone took a dump in the closet. Someone left a used condom in my slipper. I discovered <laughs> all of these things a little too late. Oh. Morning after said party, my mother knocked on the front door and a stranger from that party answered and immediately threw up on her legs. Oh. See, that sounds too perfect to be real, but, like, perfectly funny. Um, crackheads would regularly come to our apartment at all hours of the night trying to buy drugs because of his illicit activities. Whenever I answered the door and indicated that there was no crack to be had, they would sometimes get desperate, belligerent and violent and refuse to leave. He put food products containing milk, meat and cheese on the heating unit and turned it for three hours to see what would happen. I could have told him what would happen if he had asked me. <laughs> He got angry at some video game he and his friends were playing in the common area, so he busted into my room while I was sleeping and punched me in the face and stomach. Oh, no. A few days later, he put a tarantula in my bed sheets while I was sleeping. 
Thankfully, I wasn't bitten, but I was freaked out and still sometimes jump out of bed in the middle of the night for no reason and yank at my sheets. That's a... That's not safe for your tarantulas. No. That's bad tarantula owner You get rolled behavior. on and stuff. Yeah. Um, he shat in a lot of our fixtures. He would put his shit in baggies and leave them in strange places. I was thankful for when he used a baggie. A few words of advice for potential roommates. A light fixture is not a toilet. A heating vent is not a toilet. The sink is not a toilet. The oven is not a toilet. That is all. I was pissed at this point, and he refused to clean or take care of all the messes listed above. So I ended up cleaning them, but keeping an hourly log and catalogue of the work I did and worked out a bill, which I sent to him. I was tired of cleaning feces out of our refrigerator, finding turds in the crisper drawer, shit on the stove top, vomit on the carpet, vomit in our potted plants, vomit in the grill of the television set, urine on the carpet, urine in the kitchen floor, sleeping seeping behind the refrigerator and dead animals in the oven and freezer units, and bags of feces hidden in our light fixtures. Have you ever had to move your refrigerator out of its little nook to get behind it to clean urine mixed with whatever the fuck lurks behind a refrigerator in the first place? After sending him the cleaning bill and getting a refusal of payment, I took some of his stuff and dumped it in a storage unit across town and held it until he paid me back. He stole some of my stuff in retaliation but I called the cops and repossessed my belongings. He was unable to articulate to the cops that I had some of his shit in exchange, so I ended up basically getting my shit back while he had to be put in the car to cool off. Upon retrospect, I think maybe he had become mentally ill after losing his girlfriend, and not being able to part with his feces was part of his illness. This is purely speculative. He wasn't poor, he was from a wealthy family. Uh, they don't come into the picture, though. And this is where the ceiling begins. Put a date mark right here because this is where shit gets crazy. Uh, shit wasn't crazy already. <laughs> Maybe he means stealing. Ceiling? Uh, I can't remember. Um, any commentary at this point? Have you ever had a really bad housemate? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, um, I feel like one of my strengths and weaknesses is my ability to put up with, like, a moderately bad situation long term. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about, for most people, what's being described here mm. would be like acute nightmare yeah. level. That seems like a nightmare to me. Dysfunction already. And so the fact that this person is setting this out so lucidly, yeah. while it also sounding nightmarish without this person saying that they're used to dealing with hectic stuff. This is just far too hectic, I think, for most people. Yeah. I think most people would have jettisoned out of the scenario mm -hmm. one way or another. Like, this person's not telling us a reason why they're stuck there or something. To... I think there is a point. Like, I think he's studying. Yeah, but, you know, I lived on campus. Yeah. Um, and in, in on-campus accommodation at the university I went to, if somebody was being two hackers, hmm. you would put in a request to be moved to another apartment. True. And they would assess it, and sometimes they would say no if it yeah. was just an interpersonal conflict. And sometimes they would kick people off campus if they were... <laughs> yeah, really bad. Um, I can't think of any people who got kicked off campus right now aside from a guy who got caught with drugs, but... <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe he was growing in his room or something. I lived on campus for a while, and I'm trying to remember... There was, before the year before I started, an incident where someone burnt down one of the little villa house oh, wow. things uh, accidentally by falling asleep with a candle burning. Oh, no. There was a very strict, 
No candles. Mm. So they're not was, even allowed to have them. Yeah, no candles, no incense, no yep. anything like that rules no. when I got there and it was because of that incident yep. the year before. Turned out I dated that person later on. <laughs> uh, but um, I don't remember anyone specifically being kicked out. I definitely remember, like, a few, like, roommates ganging up and saying, you need to go to somebody else. Um, I remember one guy mm. who... He didn't seem to... Maybe he didn't wash his clothes or change them. He was sleeping... He was, like, raw dog on the mattress. Oh, like, no. there was no sheets on the mattress. Yeah. The heater was running all the time, and it just... The room just had this really, really strong teenage boy smell. Like, very kind of sickly and sweet and unpleasant mm-hmm. kind of body smell. Yeah. Um... I don't know. Oh, and there was a... He really liked Spider-Bait Black Betty had come out. <laughs> it was a good track. He was listening to it on repeat. Oh, God. I would fall asleep. So you kind of go past this room where the heat is on and it's stinking and, like, Black Betty's on repeat. That would... That would be pretty obnoxious. That would be hard. He was at the other end of the hall from me, though, so... Did he get kicked out? He just sort of left yeah. after a semester. Yeah. And they had to throw out the mattress when he left. I mean, and it sounds the, like he had pretty bad depression. The cleaning was really hectic. Yeah. He wasn't presenting as... Mm. I, I mean, like, maybe there was stuff going on that he just wasn't talking to his housemates about, but... Yeah. Yeah, Ugh. like, if he told me... If, if he told me... If I ran into him now and he told me that he was depressed back then, mm. I kind of got this sense that he didn't... There, there was an amount of people who just moved out of home and didn't actually know how to engage in self-care Yeah, in a domestic setting. Yeah. First time out of home. Yeah. First time away from parental care. There were people who, care. who wouldn't do any of their dishes, mm. wouldn't flush the toilet oh. <laughs> kind of stuff. I don't get the... I mean, I... Maybe farm kids. I have I, a I don't lot know of... Oh, that's thing. possible. Yeah, yeah, true. Water saving... Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. like I grew up around Brisbane, but there were plenty of people who were from way out. Yeah. And I definitely remember going and staying at places where it was like, you only flush if you do a shit. Sometimes people don't flush when they do a shit. Mm. All right, let's get back into the story. (laughs) Yeah, back to the poo we're talking about. Back to this specific poo. I'd had enough. I bought a mini fridge, a plug-in stovetop, two padlocked footlockers, a wooden bar, duct tape, a remote control car, and an external padlock. My private area had two entrances. Here is my best sum up of my little fortress in this post I made in another thread. Actually, upon reflection, I really want to share how I kept my roommate out of my private area. It was dubbed the Home Alone Security System. I had two potential entrances to my area, a sliding glass patio door and a regular door to the common area. I secured the common door with a padlock on the outside, which was really just for show. The inside was barricaded. At the bottom, I had a rolled up towel and I sealed the rest of it with tape to avoid smell or other chemical assaults from the common area. I packed against the door with my king-sized bed, which in turn secured from it being dislodged by a bookshelf full of weights and books. Even if he'd got through the padlock, he would not have been able to open the door without busting it in two. The top half of the door was unsecured. I was worried he might break the door and gain access, so when I seized his stuff, 
I had it put in public storage across town. Oh, worried that would happen when he did that. Mm. Now, the sliding glass door is where the Home Alone shit comes in. I had a lock, but it was non-functional and only accessible from the inside. So in order to secure the door while I was away, I got a remote-controlled car, attached it to a string, which was secured by a fisheye screw at the top of the door, and tied a security bar, which would drop into the tread of the sliding door, preventing it from being opened. You know, like with a sliding door, if you put a p- dowel, piece of wood behind it, you can't slide it back because the wood prevents the door from sliding. That's how all of the windows at the home that I grew up in yeah. worked. Yeah. So that. But you're just using a little remote control car to pull it up and drop it down. <laughs> um, anyone who has a sliding door would know how this works. Um, so when I came home, I would whip out my little remote control, make the car run off and lift the bar, then gain access to the apartment. To prevent the system from being discovered, I papered the inside of the sliding door with butcher paper and I ran a wire outside of the door in an obvious manner so that my roommate would think that the wire, that this wire somehow, if tugged correctly, would undo the lock. To my knowledge, all of his attempts to get inside my apartment were by messing with this wire, which was attached to the handle of an antique coffee grinder and a paint can. If you tugged it, you'd get a weird, uneven resistance as the handle crank turned and the paint can danced, which added to the illusion that this wire was some secret way of ingress. <laughs> Brilliant. I heard this account from the neighbours because it occurred while I was away, but apparently he had lost his front door key and had some kind of intestinal problem and had to take a shit really bad. All of the neighbours he knew he had already kid up for toilet access and had been refused by this point. So he's swearing like crazy and yanking at this wire and bashing against the door in a frenzied desperation when the neighbours call the cops, reporting a break and enter. When the cops show up, he's taking a shit in the bushes just out outside my window. I fucking hate him so much. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> all right. Uh, so this is back to the shred. Um, I think he went crazy and lost all his friends at some point because around the time I barricaded, I stopped hearing parties. In fact, I stopped hearing anything from the common area of the apartment except for the occasional formless moans and thumping. I don't know precisely what went on in there because I mentally washed my hands of the whole area. I did, however, start smelling odours. I taped up my door. I know it wasn't smart to do things like this, but I was just fucking sick of dealing with shit. I didn't call the landlord or anything, despite the fact I knew he was destroying things in there. After cleaning so much of his shit up, I just wanted the universal god of justice to see what a wreck the place would become without my presence. Forgive me for being a little spotty in my descriptions after this point. What I do know of what transpired over there, I can only reconstruct from forensic evidence. What precisely was destroyed, what common friends have told me in their accounts, and two forays over the, into the waste zone over the next two months. I essentially didn't even see the front door of our apartment during this time. Um, and there was a couple of these answers that, in response to some questions that he got before his next big post. Yep. The feces he left falls into three categories. A, experiments he conducted. Oh, no. The stovetop feces thing was an experiment he conducted after his toilet was broken, and I refused him access to mine and his neighbours got sick of letting him use theirs. I think he was trying to find some new way of getting rid of his shit. Either that, or he thought it would be funny to make me clean up shit out of the stovetop, and then got curious about what would happen if he turned on the burner. He really liked playing with heating elements and fire. It was fucking stupid. The dead cat in the oven, I think, falls into this category as well. B. Feces in the refrigerator. Shit in the closet, vomit in the TV, etc. I lump into the, oops, I shat on your carpet during a party type category. And C, shit inside baggies in various places. After I stopped letting him use my bathroom, he got angry, and I think this started off as a way of proving to me that I should let him use my bathroom. After a while of this, I think 
it started to take on a life of its own and he started stashing his feces due to some kind of mental illness. But this is purely speculative. Somebody asked him, like, why would you let him keep doing this stuff? Like, why would you... Was he a big guy? Was he intimidating? And he said, actually, Jed was much smaller than me and emaciated. In retrospect, I could have taken him easily. That's just not how I do things. I do not break the law ever. <laughs> Boring. Uh, I absolutely must have a clean, orderly house, which is why I ran around cleaning his shit up, regardless of who did it. I'm not some cowardly little bitch. In fact, I think Jed was afraid of me, which is why he did passive-aggressive shit, like shitting in the light fixtures. Uh, I generally don't try to solve disputes by shouting or anything. I just quietly give notice of the unacceptable condition, document it, and clean it up. Somewhere back at my parents' house, I have a box full of typed, dated, signed letters to Jed stating the date, time, and extent of the mess I had to clean up, and I noticed that such behaviour is not acceptable, and that unless he stopped, I would move out and make him responsible for all the rent. Those letters helped me eventually recover back rent from him for the equivalent value of the common area he excessively occupied during my stay. <laughs> nice. Um, I eventually got so pissed off at the condition of the rest of the apartment that I could only deal with it by sealing it off and ignoring it. Essentially, there is a blank period of about a month where I absolutely ignored anything from the common area, which is why it got so bad. I was crazy busy with schoolwork and my job, so I basically just shut the whole situation out of my mind for a while. After some time, I came to the realisation that this guy might start a fire and get us both killed, which is really the beginning of the end. The thing that ended the insanity was his discovery that he had access to the fuse box and he could trip the fuse to my room with some metal and a hallway plug. And he was too stupid to manually flip the fuse switch and just turn off my power. So he had to go the fire hazard route. I think he might have been afraid of touching the fuse box for fear of being electrocuted. But I'll detail the downfall of this shit later. For those of you wondering why I didn't call the landlord, I was kind of in denial. I just figured that whatever happened over there was Jed's business. I think I was on a sublease under him at the time, so I wasn't too worried about damage to the apartment. I withheld rent from him during this, and his family was paying rent for the whole unit, and I would reimburse him directly. I deducted cleaning costs and other things from the rent that I paid him. I think he was too embarrassed or crazy to call me on it, or have his lawyer, financial guru daddy, get me busted. Quick fact, his father was on the cover of Forbes magazine like eight years ago. Um, have you ever had something go wrong and knowing... <gasps> what? I told you about how like a local politician's son came to a house party that we had and ran around the house with this enormous black dildo that somebody had given me as a... No? As a gag <laughs> gift for my 21st and was sort of like gently harassing people with it. Uh, no. I didn't really know him. He was like a friend of a friend and had come to the party. Was it actually funny or was it just uncomfortable? Um, does it make sense for me to say it was a little bit of both? Yes, it Like, does. if he wasn't a politician's son, I think it would have been more uncomfortable than funny. I think the context of him being, like, yeah. a current serving politician's Like, oh, my God, son. your daddy is a politician and you're holding a dildo. Um, his mummy. Oh! Oh, man, that's pretty exciting. <laughs> uh, my brother went to a camp, scout yep. camp thing, and there was a couple of um, kids of a local politician as well, and he learnt some very interesting how-to-blow-things-up uh, <laughs> things from those kids. Oh, good. <laughs> Uh, he came back with uh, a lot of new destructive secrets. What a treat for him as a young man. <laughs> yes. 
And I'm sure that it hasn't affected his growth as a human at all. I don't really know you, brother, very well, so I'll take your word for it. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So, back to the post. Have you ever had something go wrong and, knowing it was someone else's responsibility, just didn't intervene out of sheer curiosity about how it, bad it would get? <laughs> I sure have. <laughs> I didn't turn him in for that reason, too. I just wanted to see how bad it would get. I was stupid, mad, curious, and really didn't have any responsibility for damage to the unit, knowing that his family would cover the costs. So, basically, I didn't kick his ass for two reasons. I am always law-abiding, and B, the setup I made was really very convenient for me and made it so I never had any contact with the guy. It was basically rent-free. I paid $50 a month rent after all the deductions for unsanitary conditions. Um, and I was exiting and entering from the opposite end of the house. Basically, I only really knew what Jed was up to during this period from forensic evidence in the apartment Ugh. and the accounts of friends, neighbours and the police. I kind of messed up the timeline for this stuff, so here's a quick run-through before I continue the story. Time A. Tons of parties, vomit being cleaned up, tarantula, punching, etc. I start withholding rent at this point, and I'm subtracting $200 a month from the rent for cleaning costs. Time B. His girlfriend leaves him, his friends stop hanging out with him, he smashes his bathroom. He uses mine for a time and is denied access, uses neighbours for a time, is denied access, and is angry with me for refusing him access to my bathroom. I fixed his faucets so they wouldn't leak all over the place and sent him a bill. He gets really pouty and angry and does the famous shit on the stovetop. <laughs> he does experiments with various places to piss and poop and eventually settles on leaving it in baggies around the house. When I tell him this is unacceptable, he responds with a demand to use my bathroom, which I refuse. Around this time, while cleaning the stovetop, I find the dead cat in the oven. It has a collar on it, so I put it... Huh. So I put it in a box and return it to the owners, not explaining where I found it, and advise them not to look in the box. I don't know how that turned out. I hope it got hit by a car and wasn't killed by Jed. I mean, probably. Yeah. Jed's, uh, this is time C. Jed starts trying to get at me by playing his subwoofer really loud at odd hours and demanding to use the bathroom. <laughs> I get back at him by packing away all of his stuff, including the audio equipment, and storing it in a friend's storage unit across town. I think that he started to really go truly crazy at this point, and I came home to find him taking things out of my room and putting them into his truck. I restrain him and call the police. By this point, he is beyond all rationality and is completely flipping out, so he is put in the cop car for a while, and the officer helps me unload the things from the truck. For some bizarre reason, the officer does not arrest him, but after talking to him, lets him go. I think my calm temperament made the officer not realise he was violent, and that is why... That's the possum. And that is why I was restraining him. Time D. I dubbed this time the ceiling, like sealing it off. I really don't mind cleaning up poop and piss. I used to be assistant manager of an apartment complex, but it is taking too much time to clean. I buy a range top and seal things off after writing a surrender letter to Jed, declaring that he has evicted me from the common area. Shortly after, I come up with my home alone security system without rent except a nominal $50 a month and go on with life as if I did not have a crazy roommate sealed away in the other end of the apartment. Uh, time left on lease at this point is two months. I and get it. He's trying to get to the end of the lease term. Yeah. Okay, so time E, the black time. I am not sure what exactly went on in the apartment during these two or three weeks. This is around the time finals are going on, so I really don't care. Water starts leaking from the wall, so I re-enter the common area to see what's up. This description really deserves its own post and will clog up the timeline, so I'll elaborate later. I fix the water leak, 
which has he has been covering up with newspapers and promptly exit. Once he finds out I was in his area, he flips out and makes a lot of noise over there, but I do not investigate. Um, remi the remainder, there is one further final re-entry by myself with a flashlight. I couldn't get in with my key because the door was messed up and his sliding door was blocked with a mattress. So I kicked down the door and entered. After a quick walkthrough, I call the fire department and the landlord and the police and an ambulance. This is full of drama and will be detailed in its own post. Okay. Time for the black time. This is so much richer than... I just thought it was going to be a lasagna with poo-poo. It's such a good story. <laughs> like, it, it might not be true, but I love the way that he tells it. I love the details, like the remote control car pulling up the dowling so that he can get into his door and the fake wire that's a decoy. <laughs> I'm, I'm tempted to say those details make me think it's fake. Yeah. But we're, we're talking about young men here as well. So. Yeah. I enjoy it. And I also know have known guys who would do that kind of yeah, stuff. That, that, yeah, They would take exactly. a lot of joy in building those yes, kind of contraptions, yes. you know? Like, yeah. I can, And I can also imagine people overthinking it and going all right, I need some kind of decoy. Like, I can just... Yeah. I can see that happening. Maybe not quite to this extent. But... Yeah. You know, the yeah. world is full of crazy shit. And crazy shitters. <laughs> I see what you did there. Oh, a little too proud of that one. <laughs> okay. Okay. The black time. I'm very preoccupied with work and school at this point. Since my point of entry on the house is opposite from the front door, the only real contact I have with Jed at this point is what I can hear from him through the walls and whatever odour seeps under the door oh. past my homemade setup. This is a pretty tolerable as a condition, definitely worth the $50 a month rent I was paying for it, but I was starting to get worried. I was worried about Jed's tarantulas getting into the ventilation system, so I sealed that off with plastic wrap and duct tape. Then I started worrying about fire. Jed liked to play with heating elements and flames. And he was an alcoholic, so I was worried that with the sealed-off vent, I wouldn't know if the house was on fire. At around 3pm, I was studying when I noticed that my feet were getting wet. Upon inspection, the carpet next to the wall was wet. I went around to the front of the house and found the door was ajar. I went back to my apartment and picked up a plumber's wrench and a flashlight to see what was wrong. I'm not exactly the best at descriptions, as you can probably tell from the poor quality of my writing in this thread, but here's the best I can do. I'll try to portray these things from my perspective at the time and not reveal what they eventually turned out to be. I unlocked the front door of the apartment and pushed it open. After confirming that Jed's truck was gone, the lights on the place were out and the shades were drawn. The light shone inside and revealed there were strange particulates hanging in the air, not quite smoke. I would almost say that the odour was so thick in the apartment that it would be seen with the naked eye. Upon reflection, I imagined that what I was seeing was mould spores. As the arc of light from the bright outside swept across the room, a few things were revealed in sequence. First off, the common area was absolutely covered in free student newspapers. There was obviously things underneath because the newspapers bulged, and I could even identify an easy chair covered in newspapers in the corner. The kitchen was crammed with garbage. I could identify two large, bulky garbage bags in the corner of the common room. Investigating them further, I discovered that they were covered in some kind of glistening brown muck. The whole place smelled absolutely rank. I swept my light across the place a few times just to make sure Jed wasn't there lying in wait with a knife or something, and I proceeded into the apartment, leaving the door open. I took some Vicks Vapor Rub from my pocket and dubbed it just under my nose. The garbage bags had been hastily pulled out of the common room closet, 
the one which contained pipes leading to Jed's bathroom. I shined a light into the closet and a rat or a mouse or something ran very quickly under the newspapers in the common room. I looked and saw there were several dents in the pipe in the common closet and it was otherwise soaked. Finding no immediate source of, of the water, I proceeded into the hallway area towards Jed's room. I was a little uneasy because the whole place was filled with debris. The common furniture that came with the apartment was lodged in the strangest places. Like the hallway to Jed's room had the common couch in it upturned. I climbed over that after making sure Jed wasn't under it. I was a little more nervous because my egress had been essentially blocked by this couch. And walking past the debris, it looked like he was salvaging equipment and building materials from a local construction yard. I could identify in the hallway piping materials, a toilet lid, cinder blocks, scraps of wood, and a box of pilfered nails. Jed's large sledgehammer, or geologist hammer, I don't know which, was lodged in the door of this room. I pushed it open and the damn thing fell out, giving me a fright. Anyway, I proceeded into his room, which was strangely clean. There was nothing in there, but the floor was absolutely soaked. I realised what happened. He realised there was water everywhere and threw all his shit outside of the room into the hallway and leaned his mattress against the sliding door where it remained, to my knowledge, for like two weeks. I have no idea where he was sleeping. The leak was coming from his bathroom, so I went in with my wrench, ready to clock the shit out of my crazy roommate if he jumped out of me. Out at me. I saw the familiar smashed bathroom fixtures, and I was very thankful for the Vicks Vapor Rub, but the stench stung my eyes. There was a bathtub covered in newspapers. I prodded it with my wrench, and the newspapers gave way like they were on top of jello or something soft and organic. I prodded it harder, but when and what I can only describe as fecal fluid seeping from the sides of the newspaper. I think he was taking shits in the bathtub and covering it with newspapers, like some kind of foul lasagna. <laughs> the leak was coming from the under his sink. lasagna. That's the name of the story! <laughs> Uh, the leak was coming from under his sink, which he had dislodged through some violence. I could see the remains of a cinder block on the pipe, so I think he might have been hitting the pipe with the cinder block. I turned off the water to the sink, stopped the leak, and decided that it would be best if I left before he returned. <laughs> um, on my way out, I climbed into the kitchen area and opened the fridge just out of curiosity. There was a ball-like organic mass in the middle with tendrils of mould growing out of it. It was roughly the size of a human head with a large dent in it. Not desiring to get toxic mould in my nostrils, I closed the fridge and surveyed the common closet again. The walls of the closet were covered in a black shiny material which glistened. Upon closer inspection, it was mould. I didn't know that mould looked like that. I prodded the newspapers a little bit, but remembered the rat, and not wanting to get bitten, I left the apartment, closing the door behind me. I got a towel and did my best to dry out the carpet. I left the sliding gl glass door open to help air my room out. I printed out a notice to Jed that I had entered and fixed his sink and placed it under the door. I later heard Jed come home and he, was ob he obviously discovered that I had been in there because he started freaking out, swearing and throwing things around. I heard the couch in the hallway get rammed into my door. He threw a tantrum for another five minutes and then I heard the front of the apartment door slam. I heard him approach my sliding glass door, swearing, and I can only imagine that after seeing it open, he decided not to come any further. Like I said, the guy was afraid of me. He left in his truck a few minutes later. To return in 10 minutes, I heard the strange moaning and stumbling around in the apartment after that. I think he was moving furniture or something. I heard breaking glass a few times, but after that, silence. There's more to come, but that's... <sighs> that's uh, 
that section. So that's the, the titular fecal lasagna. <laughs> a bathtub, layer by layer. I can see that in that situation with no toilet, that may have seemed like an easy... There's this giant bowl here. Uh, do you remember the episode of The Simpsons where they get the 101 Dalmatians? Mm-hmm. And Homer's just been putting more and more newspaper down. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> It's that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like when I used to clean up my room by just putting a, a rug or something over my toys and then putting more toys on top. And yeah, then putting another rug. lasagna. Yeah, yep. yeah, exactly the same. Just just hide it. Once you can't see it, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so next post. Let's get this over with. So as I said... I'm a pretty easygoing person, and I could tolerate this situation pretty endlessly. But as I hinted earlier, Jed eventually made this situation unlivable. Here's how it goes down. Oh, man. I've long been using a cell phone since Jed pretty much has control of our apartment phone, and whenever anyone calls, he'll answer with crazy talk. Remembering this is 2003, so maybe yeah. cell phones are a little less common. Yeah. I think they were still common, but anyway. I still had a room phone. Mm. Yeah, same, actually. Yeah. To my knowledge... He still has access to the storeroom in Long's Drugs, from which he has been stealing crates full of random stuff. I think he used to work at a chemist. So I think that's what Long's Drugs is. Um, anyway, lately, Jed was more active than usual. I hear a lot of heavy stuff getting dragged around and crashing, and lots of moaning, hollering, and other outbursts. One evening, I hear Jed making a hell of a lot of noise, and then silence. Then I hear the front door slam, and his truck goes off. A while later, he comes back, and I hear more slamming into things and a bunch of really high-pitched, loud vocalizations, kind of like whales mating. <laughs> I got a call on my cell phone, and this is basically how it goes. Ring, 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 ring. Pick up. Satan. Hi, Jed. You're nuts. <laughs> I have Sarah. Sarah is Jed's ex-girlfriend. Uh, really? Listen. I immediately hear a high-pitched shrieking from the other end of the apartment and banging and stumbling around. Sarah is a water polo champ. I think if he somehow got her into the apartment, he would have had to hit her in the head with a big geologist hammer because there's no way he would have been able to wrestle her inside conscious. At any rate, I bet at the time that he hadn't grabbed Sarah and the high-pitched screaming was actually this crazy motherfucker himself. I've been getting all kinds of crazy phone calls from Jed lately, so I call this bluff. That sounds like you, Jed. Come and see. I need to study. Bye, Jed. Click. This is a very normal response from me because by this point, Jed has been calling me and saying all kinds of crazy shit. Basically, if I can hear him through the wall, I completely disregard anything he might say on the phone. He's called me once and begged for help because he's stranded on the NASCAR racetrack in the middle of a race, and I can clearly hear him through the wall. So I have a very trained, automated response to Jed's calls. Hi, Jed. You're crazy. That's nice. I need to study. Bye. At this point, I smell smoke. This is very disconcerting because, as I said earlier, I've been living in fear of the whole place going up in flames. I stand up from my desk, and at that very moment, the power goes out, and I hear Jed laughing like crazy through the wall. I hear what sounds like something banging against the pipes in his bathroom, and some other deeper noises, which I haven't heard before. The noises have a sort of deep bass resonance like a big drum, as if a bull or some other large creature were banging around over there. Jed's a small guy, and I didn't think him capable of moving shit around heavy enough to make that kind of noise with that degree of frequency. Since I smelled smoke, 
and the power was out, I grabbed my gigantic wrench, smeared some Vicks on my nose, put on my leather jacket, put on a motorcycle helmet I confiscated from Jed, and prepare myself for battle, mag light in hand. He makes himself sound very cool in that bit. <laughs> got my leather jacket, got my big torch. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm really psyched up at this point. I know a lot of you will be saying that I was stupid for operating like this, but I reasoned with myself that I'd better go over there just in case he had captured some poor girl and was, I don't know, by the noise of it, bludgeoning her to death with a tuba. I headed around to Jed's car and looked inside. I saw that he had rope and there was blood inside the cabin. All right. I tried the door. It was locked. I smashed the window with a wrench and went inside the cabin. The cabin. Behind the seat was some bloody rags. Oh, shit. At this point, I decided I'd better get the fuck in there and stop whatever he was up to. I felt really guilty at this point for letting it get this far. I decided if that, I w- that if I were to go in there and die, I would have earned it for letting him get this crazy for that long. I chucked it over to the door, set my wrench on the ground, and fumbled for my keys. I unlocked the door, but it wouldn't give. The door was moist. I didn't quite understand that. I pushed and pushed, but it hardly moved an inch. So I started stomping at the door as hard as I could. Eventually, I heard something slide and shift and collapse on the other side of the door. I gave it another kick, and my foot actually made a hole and went through the door, and I fell over. I started freaking out because I was worried Jed would stab my boot or something. So I struggled, and I hurt my ankle. I also broke my foot from the kicking. Eventually, I calmly uh, got my foot out of the door and body-checked the door. It came flying off the hinges and came completely to pieces. Um, okay, so I bashed the door in and I went flying into the apartment, headfirst into a wall that is right in front of the doorway. The couch had been barricaded against the door and my kicking caused it to tip over. It was still partially blocking the door. I immediately started struggling wildly once I was on the floor, flailing my wrench and mag light everywhere in case something was about to jump me. Okay, sounding less cool at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I immediately exited the apartment, grabbed a metal patio chair and hurled it into the blackened apartment in case anyone was in there. <laughs> the motorcycle helmet was making it really hard to hear any kind of ambush and it was covered in grease and filth from the couch, so I ditched it and proceeded inside. It was night time, so I didn't get the benefit of good light source from outside, and my mag light had grease on it. I saw a glow coming from the corner. I tried to smell if there was smoke coming from that particular direction, but the Vicks vapor rub made it difficult, and I swung my light around the room and found it full of trash like it was before. There was no way I could ascertain whether Jed was hiding under something. I did note that some of the newspapers were covered in what looked like splotches of blood. From my forensics training, I could gather from the splot- that splotches that whatever shed them was moving at a high rate of speed through the apartment. I bounded over the couch into the apartment, landing on my broken foot and falling on my face. In a lot of pain. I remembered the tarantulas and freaked out again. Scrambling to my feet and stumbling over towards the source of light, I discovered that Jed had stolen a large floodlight from Long's Drugs, which was in the corner, smouldering the carpet. I grabbed that and quickly shone it all over the place. Suddenly, I saw there was a guy about six feet tall wearing a beige suit about two feet from me, so I flipped the fuck out and tackled it. It turned out to be a cardboard stand-up of Captain Kirk Jed got from somewhere. (laughs) I picked up my wrench and limped onward. The apartment was completely silent by this point. All I could hear was some kind of tubal thumping from inside the place, the same dull bass noise I heard earlier. Remembering my crack training at Counter-Strike... 
Instead of going further in, I limped over to the kitchen area and flung shit around to make sure that nobody was hiding under the newspapers. I could see that he had gotten a lot more crap since the last time I was there. There were mason jars of urine in the kitchen, along with gallon jugs of other stuff. There was a lot of things he had obviously stolen from the drugstore. There was a crate of Sour Patch Kids all over the place. On one wall was a poster of Homer Simpson naked drinking beer, and a bunch of knives had been stabbed into it. Okay. I was too angered and pumped up to be frightened. I opened the refrigerator and stomped the shelves apart while I was at it, just to be sure he wasn't hiding there. I had a huge floodlight, but it couldn't eliminate everything all the time, especially with the dank murk of mold s'mores and the smoke. So I ended up trying to shine it everywhere all at once as I proceeded. The common closet was closed, so I kicked that in and swung my wrench into the dark area within. I hit something soft, so I kept pounding at it, but it wasn't human. It was a trash bag full of something soft and yielding. I gave it a kick and moved on. I ripped the doorway off the hall closet and swung my wrench inside, but I only hit a few canned goods. I could hear high-pitched shrieks coming from the interior of his room. His hallway was pretty fucking well-blocked with shit, so I started grabbing things and chucking them into the common room. He had a gigantic stuffed Pluto doll uh, about as big as a gorilla, which I chucked among the other things I heard was a futon, I recognised as salvage from the end of our block, some patio furniture, a bag of McDonald's playpen walls, and something which was big, black, disgusting, soft, covered in growth, which I cannot, even to this day, identify. I crawled through the remaining debris with the wrench in front of me. This is embarrassing, but I forgot to mention, as I was hurling stuff, I had my wrench in my hand still, and so I hit myself in the face with it. I required some stitches, and since I had hit the trash bag full of feces with the wrench, it got infected. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so to tally it up, we have one broken foot, one twisted ankle, one gouged and splintered chin, and one bleeding face. So anyway... I'm crawling through the hole I've made in the blocked hallway. I finally realise why he has been making so much noise. The fucker has made some kind of evil fortress. If my room is the fortress of light, his is the fortress of evil and feces. <laughs> I crawl through the hole and pop out in his room. My strategy when playing Doom 3, when I knew something bad was about to happen in a room I dropped into, was to run around like crazy in the dark and fling grenades. Well, instead of doing the slick commando thing and dropping into a crouch and assessing the situation. I popped out of that hallway barricade with my wrench and flash knight and ran like crazy into the pitch black room, swinging around at anything and everything. I connected with some stuff, but nothing human. My foot failed me and I fell over and crawled like mad to the corner. I dove for my flashlight, picked it up and assessed the room. This place was full of fucking hostess products. The guy must have stolen at least two crates worth of the things. They were still in their wrappy. Wrappy. They were still in their wrapping. Twinkies, hostess cupcakes, all kinds of stuff. There was nobody in the room, that, but there was blood all over the place. I could hear that strange bass resonance from the inside of the bathroom. There was actually a light coming from there. It was rosy red coming from a crack in the door. I'm splicing this in because I was a lazy fucker and failed to describe the guy's room. Okay, so this is from another post. Uh, the very air in Jed's room was absolutely thick with mold and smoke, which I couldn't smell from the Vicks but it still stung my eyes anyway. He had smeared all these kinds of crazy gibberish on the walls, which looked like red lipstick, and the walls themselves were absolutely covered in growths. The barricades in the hallway must have been there for a while, because they essentially kept a lot of moisture in the air in Jed's back section. Also, I forgot to mention this as well, but as I was running like a sissy through Jed's room, I knocked into his mattress, which had leaned against the side door a few weeks prior, 
The mattress was completely soaked and very heavy. And the instant it hit me, I thought I had fallen into an insidious trap or something. So I further itched myself trying to struggle out from underneath it. Jed was making these freaky noises from the moment I burst into his room. But the echo chamber effect of the bathroom and ventilation system and the strange nature of the noises made it difficult to determine where they were coming from. Also, there were tons of boxes of Hostess cupcakes and other similar products. The carpets in his room were really rank. The previous water link had water leak had made them dank with mold and I can only imagine what was the high fecal content of the air. It was difficult to breathe and nearly impossible to see which really added to my panic. It was almost like I was being buried alive. The scrawlings of the wall though I didn't really get to see them in much detail because I was far more concerned with other things at the time. They were just creepy. The vibrations made me think for a second or two that he had tunneled under the apartment and I'd have to go on some kind of underground basement he'd made. Um, edit, scrawlings on the wall from what I saw consisted of loose nonsense, Latin words, tons of triangles with triangles with triangles all over the place, and a few Satan faces. I got to my feet and regained my composure. This is back to the thread. Mm -hmm. I stomped over the hostess cupcakes and other miscellaneous crap he had lying on the ground. I would limp every time I remembered I had hurt, I had hurt a foot, but really by this time I didn't give a shit. I heard the shrieking from inside the bathroom like some kind of high-pitched wailing and strange bass resonance. I kicked open the bathroom door and screamed at the top of my lungs, You fucking fuck shit! <laughs> I wasn't in the right mind to come up with some awesome catchphrase, so let's pretend I screamed something bannable like, The juice is loose! <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> I stomped into the bathroom and was immediately physically struck by the most powerful odour I have ever encountered. My nose was pretty vixed up, but somehow my eyeballs felt like they could smell it. Ugh. I swung my wrench before I really looked to see what was going on and totaled what was left of the sink. In the corner of the bathtub, I saw Jed writhing around with a golden metallic object in the shit lasagna. He was freaking out and screaming. The other thing I noticed was the fire. In the remains of the toilet tank was a bunch of flaming papers, right next to a can of paint thinner. I figured that Jed threw in the thinner, thinking it would burst into flames, but he neglected to uncap the thing. So I grabbed the can of paint thinner, and in one swift motion, clocked Jed in the head with it. He started freaking out even more, and at this point I could see that the object he was writhing with in the tub was a saxophone. <laughs> He's just on a journey to find the new sound. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, the mental picture. So no. good. Um, he seemed to be bleeding all over his head, but it was hard to tell because of the shit smeared everywhere coming out onto the floor. The light bulb was covered in either nail polish or blood. I backed out of the room and grabbed a jug of urine and threw it at the fire. Remembering I should probably uncap the jug before using it to extinguish flames, I grabbed another one and actually poured it out. By this time, Jed was trying to get out of the bathtub, so I stomped at him with my boot, closed the bathroom door, and jammed the fuck out of there after one final check for any hostages in the bedroom. Then I got the fuck out of there, rammed the exterior door with a patio table, and called the cops, the fire department, and ambulance, and after getting back into my place and looking up the number, the landlord. There, done. Oh, and aftermath, there was some court action for back rent, but all said and done, they couldn't prove I was withholding rent because I paid Jed with cash on the barrel head, and I ended up actually getting paid money to stay there in the long run. I still have Jed's things to this day, and to my knowledge, 
he is in a nut, bin, nut barn or something. Ugh. Just to clarify, the shrieking noises were his psychotic wailings, not the saxophone, which was full of shit and inoperable. The strange bass noises were his movements in the shit lasagna tub, amplified by the fact it was a gigantic, shitty, cheap plastic tub and next to my wall. Uh, someone asked any explanation on the blood. The blood in the room and the blood in the truck. There are two versions, the official version and how I think it happened. The official version was that he had a psychotic breakdown and cut himself, and that's why the blood was in the truck. My opinion on it was that he wanted me inside the apartment and burning to death. So he invented the kidnapping story, planted the blood, and attempted to blow me up with garbage and paint thinner. I don't know why he had the saxophone. (laughs) Um... The cleaning costs were somewhere around $25,000. I believe that. I know I scored around $8,000 after it was all said and done. I don't know what the police said, and his parents refused to speak to me except through lawyers. I know they called some special unit or something with moon suits to extract Jed from the shithole, but I didn't stick around much after that before going to the hospital. Uh, someone asked for more background on Jed. Um, did he come across as free-spirited party animal when you first met him? What kind of music did he listen to? What does he look like? Uh, Jed, Jeb was the dyslexic, slightly medicated son of a wealthy, distant parentage. He had trouble in school and wasn't very smart, and he had a little bit of trouble dealing with things on a rational level. Since I first met him, I think he, this was due to the fact that he's been medicated since high school. Eh, all right. He was, a bit cut before the horse there. Yeah. Uh, he was white as can be with blonde hair and very skinny. Um, I am only six feet tall and 150 pounds. Six feet tall is fairly tall. Well, is it? It's medium tall. It's pretty standard. Mm. It's average average height for men. Yeah, not for me. (laughs) Um, I get tons of aerobic exercise, so it's difficult to maintain bulk. And he was smaller than I am. I could easily have overpowered him. He dropped out of high school because of his dyslexia, got a GED, and finally attended a two-year college at the time of this incident. He worked at Long's Drugs as a stock boy, despite the fact he didn't need the money, and made most of his friends through that job. I don't know if you know this, but Long's Drugs employees are some heavy drinkers and heavy partiers. He had trouble with drugs, and while I knew him, he went from being completely clean to having a problem with alcohol to going as far as snorting cocaine off our television set during a party. He was pretty decent, but troubled guy before he went apeshit. I am, con- in contrast, a very clean, humorless fellow who never drinks, parties, or watches TV. <laughs> oh, I'm a humorless fellow. <laughs> Some would call me obnoxiously uptight, but I break that mould by being extremely easygoing and laid back about everything. Mm, I don't know, you sent him bills. <laughs> I, I wonder if what this person is saying is that they think that they're not particularly emotionally reactive. Yeah, maybe. There was something earlier in the story where I was like, is our... Is our narrator autistic? Oh, maybe. Um, He says, extremely easygoing and laid back. So I'm very uptight with myself without being uptight with others, if that makes sense. I'm the ultimate stoic. All right. That could fit. Cool. Um, Also, I was just reminiscing with a friend who reminded me that I was screaming in the apartment afterwards, calling him a shit-bathing Nazi. (laughs) (laughs) Um, he talked about throwing stuff to see if anyone was there and says he got the idea from his strategy in Doom 3. Um, 
Well, I've never played Counter-Strike either. Really, I made the Counter-Strike comparison to best convey the way I went about clearing the apartment, and I made the Doom 3 description to give an idea of what kind of flailing sissy I am when it came to going into dark rooms. I really regret rushing the last part of the story. Though the whole second encounter was rushed so I didn't get to stop and examine things in detail. I do remember a few things now that I forgot to put in my post. Everything in that apartment had to be destroyed because everything was growing stuff on it. Yeah. The couches, the doll, the Pluto doll. Everything had these patches of disgusting mold growing on them. I remember seeing the Pluto doll afterwards in the sunlight. Pluto is a cartoon character, which is a bright canary yellow. Well, after Pluto's tenure in Jed's apartment, there were massive patches of discoloration and he looked like a zombie. Ew. Oh, and now the story is over, I can spoil this. There were never tarantulas actually running around the apartment. They were in their cages and quite dead by the time the showdown occurred. I wish I had known that, because I might not have been so berserk and frenzied at the time of re-entry. Ugh. So that's the end of the story. <laughs> Great. Um... I, do we, do, like, any any follow-up, any reps uh, for Jed? Let me just double-check. Oh, someone did a series of drawings. Um, uh, okay. Do we know how old he's supposed to be when this is going down? He's, at, he's in university. He said he dropped out of high school, then did his GED, then went to university. So, or college, whatever. Oh, no, I mean, like, our narrator. Um... He's working and he's studying. So, yeah. I mean, we could just, if he... Early, mid-twenties. Probably. Oh, like someone, I just did a search to see if I could find any follow-ups and someone referring to the thread in uh, retrospect calling it the smooth stylings of Jazzy Jeb and the shit lasagna. <laughs> uh, I do know after that story... A new emoji smiley was added to the forums that was a little little smiley face playing a shit saxophone. Oh, my God. <laughs> Someone saying, this has to be an embellishment slash urban legend. And they're like, could be, but it's a good story. It's a horrific story. Mm. All right. So, yeah, I don't know any follow-ups. Cool. Uh, if I find out anything else, I can always tell you next episode. But okay. from what I've, you know... I did not do enough research for this episode. Uh, Fecal lasagna. I've been really lucky. I've lived in very good housing situations. I think, if anything, I was the shit roommate. And it was usually that I was depressed and not very clean uh, and ran out of money and couldn't pay rent and then would bail. Back when I used to browse 4chan... Mm. I did live in a share house where um, a no dick girls in the lounge room rule was instituted because uh, of me. Oh. Because I was browsing B. Right. And I think I was just like, oh, this is just, you know, part of the furniture. Yeah. In this online space. Yeah. Um, and it's... Maybe I thought... Maybe I thought everybody else that I lived with would appreciate, like, the nature of my ironic engagement with 4chan <laughs> at the time, but that was... I was incorrect, <laughs> and I was bothering people. Oh, no. I had a housemate who I think was, yeah, just sort of slowly losing their mind. Yeah. And um, they wrote to me. They were upset that I wouldn't lend them my car. Yeah. 
I was going to lend them my car, but they got upset. And so then you definitely weren't. Well, they got upset while we were driving and they were going along Shafton um, in traffic in the morning. It was kind of like I was driving my car into work and they were going to take the car away oh, and borrow see. it for the day. Yeah. And they needed it for two days in a row. And um, we were talking about something and they got upset and they opened the car door while the car was... Oh, fuck. ...while I was driving and they made like they were going to throw Jump themselves it. into yeah. the traffic, I suppose. And um, I somehow had the presence of mind, maybe because we were going quite slowly in traffic, to mm. not stab the brakes. Because mm. if I had, they would have gone flying, and they were just wearing pajamas, and that oh, would have fuck. it would have been horrible. Um, but so I just kept on going yeah. at a slow speed, and they had to get back into the car and close the door. And I think that in those circumstances that that must have actually been really demoralising because I think that, like, the exercise of that threat was to take back some power and in the it interaction hadn't worked. And, and it didn't work. Yeah. And so I turned the car around and dropped them at home and went to work. And then the next day I got up early and I went to work and they messaged me and said that, like, where, where are you? I still need to borrow your car. Hmm. And I was like... You can't be serious. Like I'm not. I'm not lending you my car after yeah. what happened yesterday. And they lost it and made these threats of self harm oh. to me by yeah. by message while I was at work. And I think their behaviour had been from it was a long. It was more than ten years ago. I'm sure mm. their behaviour had been really up and down. So I just sort of went. I can't take responsibility for figuring out if this person is serious or not yeah so i called triple o yeah and then they ended up in hospital getting assessed which wasn't the first time that it happened mm. but it just it seemed like an actual risk that i couldn't mitigate no. on my own as a non-professional who's not in the house yeah um and so i think like the next day or something they told me that they were going to that they'd been released from hospital that they were coming to the house to get some of their things mm. and that their mum they, they were going to go and stay with their mum and I I was just really worried that they would like trash the house or yeah try and do, get revenge yeah do something to enact their anger against me mm. so I went to just be there and also I had, like, not that I thought they would ever do anything to hurt my cat. Yeah. But Googie was there. Mm. Yeah. And um, so they ended up being really angry that I was there and they felt like I didn't trust them, which it was essentially correct. I didn't trust them. Yeah. And they took a fruit bowl that was mine. <laughs> okay. And, like, some... It's not that you didn't, you didn't trust their mental state at that time. Yeah. You might, you might have trusted them as a person. Yeah. So they smashed this um, fruit bowl yeah. of mine and then they got out a can of bright pink spray paint and spray painted bitch <laughs> on this huge poster that we had up in the lounge room. Yikes. But it was their poster and, <laughs> and then they started spray painting on a wall unit that was also theirs and I was like, you're not actually out of control, yep. you're just mad. Yeah. You're you're doing the damage in a way that's going to cause the least damage. Yeah, yeah, I was like, you're not out of control right now. Yeah. This is demonstrative and performative. 
It makes me think of that uh, story where someone was in a domestic violence uh, relationship and they were very sympathetic to the sort of rage that their partner expressed and the violence that they would do because, you know, they had problems. And so you'd you'd excuse the behaviours and the psych or therapist or whatever said to them when they when they lose control and they break things do they ever break their own things or do they only break your things and it had never occurred to her that when he was out of control he never broke anything that was his he always broke things that were hers and that shows an element of control there's a meme um that I see or it's like a post there's something about somebody talking about how they've worked in like men's behaviour change programs for years Yeah. and um, when men are telling the story about like I did this or I did that here's the violence that I enacted Mm. this um, counsellor or facilitator whoever it was would be like well when she was on the ground why didn't you kick her in the ribs or Mm. you know in this scenario, why didn't you then push her down the stairs? And then these guys would say, oh, well, I didn't want to hurt her seriously or, like, no, I'm, I'm not like that, I'm not a monster. And so what it was... Mm, saying that you did have control in that situation. Yeah, the set yeah. of questions was really revealing that the barrier that these guys were pushing up against was their own set of internalised values mm. about where the limit actually lies. So it's never actually about being out of control. It's that they had a set of values that said it's actually acceptable. It's okay for me to, to get to this point. Yeah, yeah, I can push it down, but I, can't, I won't put the boot in. Yeah. That's actually consistent with the set of values that I have. Hmm. Wow, this went grim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he actually, like, you know, this housemate of yeah. mine um, with his mum there, um, he climbed up onto an external wall and jumped off it, but it wasn't very high. <laughs> and he just hurt his ankle or something. I love how I keep going, <gasps> and then going, oh. <laughs> and then he moved out. Oh, well. And I got a new housemate. It sounds like it had soured. It wasn't going to recover that relationship. Oh. Probably. He was somebody who had had, uh, we've been very good friends, and then he had an unrequited crush on me, and, uh. um, you know, we hadn't been living together for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and then he said, oh, how about we get a place together? And I was like, do you think that's a really good idea? Mm. And he was like, oh, it's totally fine, I'm dating so-and-so now. And um, so-and-so broke up with him <laughs> while we were living together. Oh, no. And um, reportedly the sound of me getting it on with my partner at the time. In the shower. My ensuite. You're entitled to have a sex life in your own house. Yeah, that tipped him over the edge. If only he knew that I was not having a particularly nice time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm not sure that would have helped the situation. Surely not. No, it would have given him false hope, surely. Yeah. The sex is bad, but I still would rather have that than with you. Oh, the sex is (laughs) I just didn't. I was dating this person. I didn't really like that much. No, oh, well, that happens. Sometimes it takes a while to work out that you don't like them that much. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Yeah. Bracket battle. Bracket battle.
So, Bracket Battle mm-hmm. was thinking best romances of The Simpsons. Okay. It's absolutely not exhaustive. Um, that would take us forever. Um, it's really filtered by um, what I'm interested in including. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Entirely arbitrary. No, that's fine. Okay. So, all right. Um, Homer and Mindy. Okay. Um, versus Homer and Lily Lumpkin. Oh, I have to remember Mindy, Mindy. the co-worker. The co-worker. And Lurlene was the country singer, right? Yes. Yeah. And Homer was her manager. And Sweat actually cleans this suit. <laughs> um, Mindy was very Homer-like. Yeah. And Lurlene. very sweet. I, I liked the Lurlene storyline. Let's go with Lurlene. Yeah, I go with Lurlene. Okay. You're in the bin, Mindy. Okay, margin, Artie Ziff. <laughs> yep. We've all had an Artie Ziff. Selma and Sideshow Bob. <laughs> Sideshow Bob. Oh, I don't really remember that relationship. Artie Ziff. Mm. Sideshow Bob. Artie Ziff. Iconic. Just that uh, the guy from the end of Remy and Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Lisa Simpson and Ralph Wiggum versus Carl and Lenny. (laughs) Was there ever a romance between (laughs) Carl and Lenny? Yes, they were always together. They were (laughs) just an incredibly normalised queer relationship in The Simpsons. Okay. Um... (laughs) And um, gentle listener, uh, I'm using some pictures here. And so when I was looking for a picture of Carl and Lenny together, the best thing that I could find that I wanted to use here to show Hacklock is from somebody's deviant art. (laughs) And it's Carl and Lenny having a smooch in front of the, um, like, the steam towers at the power plant. And um, there's Mr. Burns looking outraged and um, Smithers looking like he's into it and Homer looking perplexed (laughs) and thinking, is this what they call Homer erotic? Uh, I think that one wins because of the wonderful MS Paint style drawing you've got there. Yes, okay, so we'll go Lenny and and Carl. The Martin Martin one is so heartbreaking. Uh, It's not Martin, it's Ralph. Oh, sorry, Ralph. It is quite heartbreaking, I'll give you that much. Wow, I have like a three-second memory. Next up, Mm -hmm. Lisa Simpson and Milhouse versus, remember when Bart was pretending to be a dude and writing sexy letters to Edna? (gasps) Yeah. I included that. (laughs) That was kind of sweet in the end, even though he was catfishing her. Lisa and Milhouse versus Bart catfishing Edna. I'm going to go... To demonstrate the relationship of Bart and Edna, I've got Edna's sexy selfie that Her she sent to Bart. Uh, I can't go that one because it is a relationship between a teacher and a student. Okay, that seems fair enough. And the Millhouse Lisa thing is like an ongoing. That's a longer. Yeah, yeah, let's go with that one. Langdon Alder. Who the fuck is that? <laughs> it's the person that Lisa confesses she has a crush on. To, like, Homer, maybe? Oh. And she says, he's quiet and he likes puzzles. <laughs> and he's never... He's revealed at some later stage. Okay. But at the time. Okay. Versus Selma and Troy McClure. Oh, Selma and Troy McClure. Okay. Langdon Alder, you're out. The controversy with his relationship with fish. And he sleeps with the fishes, <laughs> literally. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. Well, that storyline always makes me think of that dolphinsex.org website. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so next up we've got Lisa and Hugh Parkfield. Oh, yes. When it's um, somebody's dream of the future and Lisa's a grown-up and she's... She's getting married. Married and he to has the to, fancy British man. He has to meet the family. And he won't wear the fucking cufflinks. <sighs> Versus... Bart and Jessica Lovejoy. Oh, that's such a good one because she's a bad girl. She's a bad girl. Um, Let's go with Jessica Lovejoy. Yeah, sweet. Marge Hmm. and Jacques Brunswick, (laughs) her bowling uh, companion, Mm -hmm. uh, versus... Uh, Seymour and Krabappel <laughs> in the cupboard. Oh, Seymour and Krabappel. And I saw the baby and the baby looked at me. <laughs> We've got Bart and his older neighbour, Laura Power. I loved that storyline too. Yeah. Versus, and I could be projecting here, Marge and Ruth. Yes! Oh, no! <laughs> How do I choose? Ah. Uh, come on. They, they Thelma and Louise it out. I have to go those two. Okay. And, you know, like Bart and Laura never really got it together anyway. No, no, no. That was just a childhood crush. Though I did love, oh, God, the Jimbo Jones thing. Yes. <laughs> oh, what do you know? Now my fans are shaping yeah. me. <laughs> That's such a good episode. Um, bonus, Marge and Ruth dancing at the hate box. <laughs> yes. So we'll go back through. We've got Marge and Artie Ziff. Okay. Versus Homer and Lurleen Lumpkin. Hmm. Uh, Homer and Lurleen. Homer and Lurleen. So, Carl and Lenny. <laughs> yep. Versus Lisa and Milhouse. Oh, dang. Do you remember the Lisa and Milhouse actually hook up storyline? I'm not sure I do. Um, Milhouse is a bit of a dick to her and she's into it. And so he keeps on treating her mean. Yeah. Keeping her keen. Oh, yeah, I do, actually. You know what? Versus the wholesome love. Lenny and Carl. Of Carl and Lenny. Yeah. Yep. Okay, awesome. Those guys really made it work. <laughs> They did. They're like the Bert and Ernie <laughs> of The Simpsons. Yeah. Okay. Selma and um, Troy McClure. Hell yeah. Versus Bart and Jessica Lovejoy. Dang. Ugh, Selma and Troy McClure is just so iconic. i got to get that one. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Edna. Skinner and Krabappel mm. in the cupboard. Versus Marge and Ruth oh. on the run. I'm going to go Skinner and Krabappel. What? Yeah, I know. Whoa. I think it's because whenever I see Krabappel now, I am re- reminded that the voice actress has died, and I'm like, oh, Krabappel. Oh. I'm a smart woman. <laughs> Just make bad choices. Okay. Homer and Lurleen Lumpkin mm-hmm. versus Carl and Lenny. <sighs> Carl and Lenny. Selma and Troy McClure mm-hmm. versus Seymour uh, <laughs> and Krabappel. Seymour and Krabappel. Uh, it's like the great love story of The Simpsons is those two. <laughs> never can quite get it together. Okay. Carl and Lenny yeah. versus Seymour and Edna. You know what? i got to go for the boys. 
Colin Lenny. Colin Lenny. Best romance of The Simpsons. Best romance of The Simpsons. Oh, I really meant to include um, Smithers and Burns. Oh, dang. I don't know how I forgot that. Is that a wild card? Yeah. All right. No, Lenny and Carl. I think it's more wholesome. Smithers and Burns is too... Uh, the p- power dynamic is too unhealthy. I also, in looking all of this up, found this um, sweet photo of Marge at Rancho Relaxo. And oh, I was like, yeah. maybe the number one romance of The Simpsons is Marge's romance with herself. She does grow to love herself throughout yeah. the show, doesn't she? <laughs> more so. <laughs> what right. about Marge and potatoes? <laughs> I just think they're neat. I just think they're neat. All right, so is there going to be any legally binding consequence to... It's legally binding. Lenny and Carl. Yeah. Oh, you should get a Lenny and Carl tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I always getting tattoos out of these? Because you've already got so many. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, I would I would legitimately consider getting um, Lenny when he's, like, sitting on his little chair. <laughs> Don't tell anyone <laughs> I look like, like yeah. this. I feel a lot of kinship with that. <laughs> um, sorry, to, I had to look up <laughs> the picture where it's written on someone's hand, Lenny equals white, Carl equals black. I think that's Homer's hand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, there's this photo. There's a shot from... It must be reasonably early in the series where um, maybe Homer is calling up Lenny to hang out mm. and Lenny's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm busy right now. And it's like this tight shot where he's shaving the leg of a faceless woman who's maybe having a go at him for, like, these legs aren't going to shave themselves. Oh. And I was like, oh. Interesting. If I was gonna that never do, came if up If I again. was going to do a Lenny, if I was going to get a Lenny tattoo. <laughs> Get that one. Okay, interesting. <laughs> All right, well, uh, it's time for hyperlocal news. Yay! Yay! Um, so one that we thought about today, mm-hmm. we both came up with, is the big boot that used to be on top of the car yard. The in... car mine. Yeah. The old car mine. Where's the boot? <laughs> like, um. A while ago, there was a fuss after the boot had been removed and sort of didn't come back. Should we do any kind of backgrounding here? Yeah. Or are we just assuming everybody... Uh, we sorry. should give some background. Near Roadie Road, mm. there, intersection of Roadie Road and Gimpy Road, there is a car yard, which at some point in its life was called the car mine. Yeah. And it had a boot, uh, <laughs> this huge fiberglass boot, <laughs> up really high on the sign, and the car yard would change hands year after year. This is, I would drive past on the way to my grandmother's house. I can give house. even more background where the boot came from. You lived around here. I was just yeah. driving through, yeah. Where'd the boot come from? <laughs> so it originally was on top of a shoe factory. <laughs> During like <laughs> World War Two or something. Oh, you mean World War Shoe? <laughs> hey. Um, and I don't think it was originally in, like, I don't think it was on that building originally. But it got bought and it got moved there. <laughs> Somebody who owned the shoe factories, like, I'm gonna open up a car yard. Better bring my shoe with me. <laughs> Uh, it was somewhere in West End, apparently, the boot factory. And they okay. built boots for the army and stuff. Um, All right. And then it was purchased by a man who owned a camping store at Chermside. And I think the Carmine was originally the camping store. Yeah, that rings a bell. Like, yeah. Was 
like that premises was maybe camping disposal. And so you see a lot of army disposal boots at camping disposal yeah. places. So I sort of associated it with camping because okay. of that. Yeah. Um, but it used to be a symbol because I grew up on this side of town of like if, I'd, if we'd been away and we were driving back home, once I saw the boot, I knew we weren't too far from home. Yeah. Like it was a real local landmark. Yeah, absolutely. It's a big brown boot with big shoelaces and just so strange. It looks like I had some kind of strange toy that was like old Mother Hubbard's shoe. Oh, yeah. But you could open it up. Oh, yeah. As like a little dollhouse thing. Like a Polly Pocket type. Yeah, and it was it was largish. It was the size of like a Barbie camper van around about. And so it's it's very much a super stylized silly yeah. kind of big boot in that way. Um it's yeah, not a, not a sexy boot. No, it's like a worker boot. Yeah. Yeah. So a while ago, it has been sort of slowly damaged from sitting in the rain for 40 years or whatever. Whatever, protect the boot. So he said he took it down to have it repaired. Wise. Um and he said that in early 2020. Um it was in safe hands and has simply gone off for a quick shine. So it was early 2020. It's now mid-2021. Bring back the boot. The boot's not there. And that property, the Carmine, has um, big signage up around it very recently uh, that it's been sold and it's going to be, like, the shop's going to be demolished and it's going to be rebuilt as, like, some kind of medical centre. I don't think they're going to put a boot back on the medical centre. Put the boot on. I mean, the boot had nothing to do with the cars either, but... I really don't we think the We all love the still. boot. Where's the boot? Bring us the boot. Do you remember? Bring back the boot. Bring back the boot. Do you remember when everybody got really upset about um, or, or really compelled with the question of what happened to the dragon coaster from yeah. Tops? And the internet tracked it down? Yeah. Find me the boot. Let's find the boot. Where's the... Find the boot. Um... Oh, is this February 18, ABC Brisbane? The big boot is on the move. Okay, I'm commenting on this right now. Mr. Sinisi <laughs> said the boot has also changed colours over the years but will be restored to its original black and brown design. Um, it's not the first time the big boot has been shifted across the city. In the 70s, it had pride of place on top of Brisbane's Boot Factory Restaurant and Spaghetti Emporium on Paxton <laughs> Street, Paddington. Oh, yes, the spaghetti boot. It won't be returning to this spot, but we'll definitely be back somewhere in Brisbane once it's had a fresh lick of paint. <laughs> he was just waiting for somebody people to get 11, distracted. Eleven weeks ago, somebody said, where is the boot? Any news? <laughs> somebody else, 32 weeks ago, have there been any updates or sightings? 48 weeks ago, any news on where it will end up? Putting in caps so everybody knows I'm serious. Oi, where's the boot? <laughs> uh, Bring back the boot. Should we start this as a campaign led by our podcast? Hashtag bring back the boot. <laughs> bring back the boot. Okay. Bring back the boot. Can we do like a rousing kind of like acoustic guitar song about how everybody misses the boot and loves the of boot? Of course we can. Fuck yes. Hands across America, but we'll for sing the boot. to Jimmy down the well or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll sing to the boot. Did you have some more hyperlocal news? Oh, yeah. Other than the boot? My friend sent me. Something. Um, over in Arana Hills, 
Somebody posts, we've been hit by the baked bean bandits. Why? Our neighbour's got one in their letterbox too. Somebody's just been emptying tins of baked beans <laughs> into letterboxes in Iran Hills. That is the most... <laughs> that is such good vandalism. It's so, like, mediocre and, like, also annoying to clean up but not actually damaging. Imagine putting... you not looking and just sticking your hand in there to try and grab some letters. Um, <laughs> Straight into the cold baked beans. Right into the cold baked beans. <laughs> uh, I love that kind of chaotic shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm into that. It doesn't really hurt anybody. It's just kind of weird. I guess if it ruined your rights notice or something. Yeah, that would suck. If you're allergic to baked beans. What if you'd ordered your testimony from a university? It came in the post. It got baked beans all over it. What if you'd ordered baked beans? <gasps> <laughs> There's baked beans on my baked beans. You weren't meant to deliver it open. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. Free range baked beans. Um, I don't think I've got anything else. Wait, let me just check my saved things just in case. It was your birthday. Did you have a nice birthday? I did. I had cool. a nice birthday. Sorry I wasn't there. Bitch. It's not my fault. <laughs> you put your birthday on the same weekend as a festival. <laughs> it's not my fault either. Actually, it is your fault because I said... Hey, I'm going to do a thing on this day. And you were like, cool. And I went, okay. And then I locked it in. And then you said, oh, no, I can't go. <laughs> well, I suppose maybe it's my fault. I wasn't under the impression that you would change the date of your birthday party just for me. I might. Hmm. Interesting. Bear that in mind next year. That, that's a good way of me saying, not saying yes or no. <laughs> <laughs> I might. Maybe. I'll never tell. <laughs> All right. Uh, I had a good birthday. Um, I got a new tattoo. Oh, yeah? It's pretty hyper-local. <laughs> Localised to my right lower leg. Um, no, I think that's it. Cool. Done. Bring back the boot. Um, Bring back the boot. Okay, well, thanks for listening. We'll be back in a fortnight, probably, <laughs> with a new episode. Check out our Instagram, which is at Online Mole Patrol, or our website, which is onlinemolepatrol.com for show notes and links and whatever. Uh, if you like it, tell your mates about it. Tell two mates, specifically two. No more, no less. Uh, we need word of mouth to find listeners, and we don't want any jerk just tuning in. We want the good jerks, the jerks that you think will enjoy it. No, I don't want anybody to listen to it except for you. <laughs> Gentle listener. Just you. Nobody else is listening right now. Just you. Oh, so personal. Because you're so special. Oh. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>